What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Supreme Decisions Legal Minute Podcast, and I am your host, yes, Supreme Decisions, and today, we're going to talk about a couple things. We're actually not going to talk about the one thing I did touch on, I guess, last week, but I am going to talk about something, because this morning, when I woke up, I actually had an opportunity to watch a young man that a lot of people, they call him the king of controversy. And that's Tommy Sotomayor. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, why in the hell do you watch this dude? Well, most people don't understand that. Whether he knows it or not, I actually get a lot of stuff that I do from Tommy. But the one thing that I actually find prolifically profound is the context in which he gives his information. Now, I don't... Let's say I don't agree with 90% of what he talks about, but I do agree with how he speaks of it. Because one of the things he talked about today, because it was a, it was in the context of one of his normal shows, let's call it that way. But he very rarely speaks on legalities and legal issues. Generally, he leaves that for whenever he even has a legal question. He leaves that to a young lady by the name of Summer, and I do believe Summer is an actual attorney. Now, I said that to say this. I was watching his show this morning, and it dealt with a police officer, Andrew Delk. Andrew Delk, in 2018, shot a young man in the back. And for the, front, for the most part, it was in Tennessee. In the midst of that, I guess, show, Tommy asked a question. And again, this is one of the reasons why I watch him. Because he doesn't just say a lot of stuff just to get a reaction. Although most of the stuff he says is re- reactionary. What he asked, again, it was prolifically profound. Because he asked, when did the police get to a point to where they're more important than the people they swore to protect? Now, that's not a direct quote. That's pretty close to what he asked. But understand what the question, the context of the question When did the servant become more important than the people they choose to serve? Now, they made a conscious choice to be a police officer. They made a conscious choice to swear to God that they're going to uphold and defend and protect. When did they become more important than the people that they're protecting? When did the things they vowed to uphold not matter. Now, here's the context of that. The context was Andrew Delk, um, he shot a young man in the back, and he took a plea deal for manslaughter. Now, the reason why a lot of people looked at this as crazy because he shot this young man in the head, in the back. He was a fleeing suspect. Now, when we talk about the context of law, the legalities of law. We come up with Tennessee v. Gardner because police are not allowed to shoot a fleeing suspect 
unless they have probable cause of imminent danger that they're posing to someone and they're using something other than the vehicle as a weapon. Now, in this context, we don't know 100% of what went on. Now, we can pretty much guess because the person that was shot is known to have a gun. He was arrested several times since the age of 15 and 16, and he had a gun in his possession pretty much every time. So, what we do know is that Delk, like many of the other police officers, did lie in his police report. He did state things that were not available in the um, video. So, basically, he lied. He committed perjury in this sworn testimony as a police report, which is one of the reasons why I constantly tell people, get a copy of that police report. Because... Even when you're taking a master class, I did a video where I spoke about the usage of stock language. Many of you have no clue what that is, but I'm going to give you an example. Stop resisting when there is no resistance. I feel in fear for my life. Oh, this is for officer safety. That's stock language. And my favorite, when you're challenging them and you're offering them the actualities of law, which they don't know, oh, you're a sovereign citizen. But they have no idea what a sovereign citizen is, nor the actual legal definition of that term and how the, the term um, sovereign citizen itself is an oxymoron, which generally is said by morons. But anyway... What you have to understand is what Tommy was questioning. Now, I want to make sure I'm not just saying things that are out my ass. Because he followed that question with, when did the police become executioner and police officer? Because you and I know, if someone kills a police officer, they're going to pretty much be looking at life in prison. They're not going to have the optics of manslaughter. This young man, Andrew Delp, took a plea bargain to serve three years for manslaughter, although he was indicted. There was a true bill of indictment for first-degree murder. Now, here's what I do understand. I do understand the DA doesn't want a trial because generally they lose because there has to be something missing, right? I do understand that they generally don't understand what hell, what probable cause or even give a shit about the evidence because you remember, I also gave you something else Tommy said. Tommy gave the five tiers of law. One is the people. Two is the police officer. Three is the prosecutor. Four is the defense attorney. And five is the judge. He said the people don't fight back. Now, give you context in this case, how it applies to this case. They weren't suing this police officer because of his actions, they didn't even sue the state. Because even during the time of the killing, 
Andrew continued working for the next three years. He actually resigned Friday. So he worked all the way up from whatever the incident was in 2018 all the way to July 1st, 2021. He was employed. He resigned. He got to keep full benefits. Now, you know like I know, I've constantly talked about wrongful death. That action was available to his mother the time her son was killed by the officer, regardless of what goes on, because the clock in Tennessee starts ticking. She had 12 calendar days, 12 calendar months to file a wrongful death suit, which I'm guessing, considering he was still working and he had only resigned in order to keep the little bit of pension that he had to go on to the next job, and in his plea deal, he has to serve. He has no option for parole or early release. So three years in Tennessee, he'll serve a little more than 18, 19 months, and then he'll be home. Here's the greater part about that that most of us don't understand, where the people come in and not fighting. Andrew Delk will be able to get another job, not only in Tennessee, but in any other state, even with that conviction. I'm going to say that one more time. According to his plea deal, after he serves his time, whichever that is, he will still have an opportunity to be a police officer, not only in Tennessee, in any other state. Why? Because the people didn't fight back. Now, we look at the prosecutor. The prosecutor didn't really care about the evidence because the prosecutor actually assisted Andrew Delk, who was the defendant, in preparation for court offered Delk an opportunity to continue working, also offered a $25,000 bond. Now, just to give you context, Andrew Delk killed someone. Andrew Delk was in that five-year period where I spoke about most people, most police officers when they're involved in shooting, is years one through five, and then they take a rest for four years. Don't know what happens between years six, seven, eight, and nine, but then... From 10 on, and I'm pretty much thinking after 10, 10 years, you're pretty much, they're aggravated because they're seeing the same shit over and over and over and over. And again, 90% of what they, 95% of what they see are stupid people. They're interacting. You have stupid people interacting with other stupid people. And most of their interactions are that way. So they forget about that 5% of people that they do interact with that has sense that aren't criminals, that aren't doing anything that requires them to have an elevated, that requires them to escalate a situation. So the problem is, now you have these, and you're going into, they don't know law. They're talking to someone who probably didn't go to law school. And then you have them basically being trained, I even use the form, train attack dogs. Because what, what trips me out is the fact that we're still surprised at things that people, these police officers are doing from state to state all across the country. And it generally mirrors each other, which is why most of the time we can't tell you what police department it comes from because they're using stock language. Because just like I told you in Atlanta, they're being punished for doing what they're trained to do but nobody wants to correct the training. I'm going to say they're being punished 
for doing what they're trying to do, but nobody wants to correct the training. No, nor are we looking at any bill that requires corrected training or elevated executioners of these. Now, and then we go on to the defense attorneys. I'm going to give you an example of a defense attorney because most of the time you guys kind of take what I say and just say, oh, well, that's just one. I gave you an example. I even did a video on this dude where I showed you in Florida, the Florida Discovery Code and what it allows and asks for. I showed you a discovery template. Showed you what I was asking for. I even showed you the federal code for discovery. Showed you what, it, and all of it mirrored each other. Yet the attorney that was representing this young man stated that he could not ask for that because that would be aggravating the DA. Didn't sound like a vigorous defense. Had another young lady in El Paso. I told her to ask her attorney to send her over a printout. All right, just something simple. Send over the printout. Well, this attorney sent over a printout of everything that was filed. She said, great, send me over a copy of everything that you filed and the discovery package. Her attorney responded, it's against the law to turn over things that are in public record. Does that sound like a vigorous defense? Now, here's the greater part about that. Now we go on to the judge. How many judges actually give a shit? I'm going to ask you, how many judges do we actually have sitting down right now that give a shit? Because this is what we're dealing with. Even in my ordeal, I was asked to get an attorney. And I laughed because, again, every attorney that I spoke to said the exact same thing. I told my grandmother prior to going to meet these stupid people what they were going to say. And when they said it, I'd just look over at her and smile. Because they all have stock language. They all have stock language. The nature of the beast doesn't change. Now, the easy part is nor do the procedures. Just because you don't like them. Because I even had somebody tell me, well, police don't have actual procedures that they have to follow. Yet, it just passed in the Supreme Court that this damn Constitution that they swear to uphold and defend, they have to follow it. Because even for minor offenses, they can't chase a suspect into a house. Wait, hold on. Tennessee v. Gardner stated that you can't chase a fleeing suspect or use deadly force to stop a fleeing suspect unless you have probable cause. Now, hold on, hold on. Let me, let, I'm going to give you, some, give you some, 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 some meat and potatoes on this one, right? So you can't chase a fleeing suspect into a house. You can't chase a fleeing suspect and use deadly force unless you have probable cause. But here's, here, here's some, you ready for it? Didn't we also go over a case where you can't use evidence tossed by a fleeing suspect unless they pretty much cart off the area, mark it up, and then make sure nobody can contaminate it. Right? Then, then we, I think we went over that. So then we also go over the case where 
a police officer doesn't even have the wherewithal, the knowledge to determine what probable cause is, so they have to take it to a neutral magistrate for the judge to determine. So when a police officer is doing something that they're not allowed to do, why is it that something is wrong with you when you're asking them to do their job properly? I, I just want to understand that because, again, this is the context of Tommy's statement. It's actually supported by law. It's actually supported by the Supreme Court. It's actually supported by the United States Constitution of America. It's actually supported by the oath of the police officer. But something's wrong with the requester, not the person that's doing the actual actions. Isn't that funny? We'll get mad at somebody that's making our fries. Understand this. There was a woman that shot up a McDonald's because her fries was cold. But we can't ask a police officer to do something as easy as you wrote this down. You swore to God to do it, and you filed it in court. Why can't you do what you said you were going to do in that aspect? But... I'm going to holler at this child. I'm going to shoot at this child who I know doesn't have the common sense to actually execute something proficiently. Yet the police officer has the exact same IQ as that child that's fucking up my fries. But I'm going to hold the child at a higher standard than the police officer. So it again asks, when did the servant come to a higher standard than the people they serve. Because the question was even asked of the amount of time that was given. Because again, Andrew Delk, or Delkey, or whatever, however you pronounce the name, it, 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 it's irrelevant, you know who I'm talking about. He got three years as a plea bargain. Can anybody tell me of the person that killed a, a police officer? And served less than 15 years? Can anybody leave it in the comments? Send me old snooty email with that information in it. Because hell, if you're going to call me names, at least have some facts with it. Answer the questions that I'm asking. Because the average sentence, including the Derek Chauvin sentence, including, according to the DOJ, Department of Justice that was done last month, the average sentence for someone, a police officer killing someone. You ready? The longest one has been Derek Chauvin, 22 years. Because the life sentence the other officer got, again, it was one, he only has to serve 20. So Derek Chauvin, while he was on paper for 22 years, he's not going to have to serve 22 and a half years. As long as we understand the context of that. Now, 
we look over at the average sentence. The average sentence. Because most officers get less than 10 years. They serve less than 18 months. They was, again, let me, let me say, a police officer killing a citizen, the person they're sworn to protect and defend, on average, they're given 10 years. On average, they serve less than 18 months. That's a year and six months for those that are not kind of caught up on the Gregorian calendar. Now, let's flip that around. Someone who kills a police officer generally is done with a mandatory life sentence. The average sentence, the average sentence is 48.7 years. I don't even know what the hell point seven is. Because I guess that's more than half, so it's like, you know, 47 or 48 point, 48 years in like, what, nine months or something like that? I'm not sure. I don't know, don't know the math on that one. But 48 years is average for someone killing a cop versus 18 months for a cop killing a person. When did the police become more important than the people they serve? Now, you may not like the messenger. You may not even like most of his messages. But you also have to understand how profound that one question is. You also have to understand the context of his ideals when he talks about the five levels of, of our system. Because the most important level is, number one, the people. Because the people aren't exercising properly, this is the reason why we don't get the justice we're looking for. Now, here's the, here's the part about that that we, well, he actually went into. He went into how, while the energies are really high because you lost a loved one and someone taking them and you're looking at the quote-unquote murderer, Right? They were doing a victim statement. In the midst of doing a victim statement, you had people beating on the door. You had people standing up cussing and using profanity. It got to the point to where they feared for the safety of those that were in the courtroom. So they shut the courtroom down. But understanding why the victim statement was in place, the judge actually has the opportunity to throw out the plea. The judge does not have to accept the plea deal. Generally, that's what the witness or victim statement is for. Now, in this case, I have to give you a story. Because what comes to mind is the phrase, cutting off one's nose to spite their face. Because for a long time, I had no clue what that meant. I didn't even understand where that was going. Like, for me, it just sounded, why would you cut off your nose to spite your face? What does that mean, to spite? Because, again, here, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was playing football. And a buddy of mine, his name was Brian Sharp. Well, he is Brian Sharp. Brian's still alive. And at the time, 
his coach told me before the game because I wasn't a small kid. I played defensive end. I didn't have quick feet. I just had a good move. I was about uh, right at, I want to say 200 pounds, whatever. And the coach, his Brian's coach came over to me before the game. He said, yeah, we're getting ready to come at you. I was like, okay, I didn't know what that meant, grown man telling me he's getting ready to come at me. Okay, gotcha. So first play of the game, I'm playing strong side defensive end. They run a pulling guard. They bring a tight end. And they bring the fullback to block for Brian. They light my ass up. They pushed me probably about 40 yards backwards and then just mauled me. Brian runs for 20 yards. So I look over at my dad, and he's like, yeah, keep going, keep going. Okay, cool. So Bernie tells me, turn up field. Now, most of you that play sports understand that means take one step upfield and then turn to push them back in towards the line. Well, again, I'm not fast, just big. So, again, I run upfield, make, make my left to turn them back in. Again, they run the pulling guard with the tight end and the fullback, and they maul my ass. Brian runs for another 18 yards. Bernie calls timeout. That's my coach. My father runs out the stands, and he looks at me. He snatches me up because back then we wasn't pussies, and it was okay to touch a child and tell him to do something. He grabs me by my pads and says, what you need to do is run as fast as you can into the lead blocker. I just look at him dumbfounded. Like, what do you think I was doing? He said, no, don't plant your feet. He said, when you come off that line, you go as hard as you can into the lead blocker. He said, you have to not worry about how much pain you're going to be in. Now, the problem is I was worrying about how much pain I was going to be in because for me, this is a game. I'm doing this for fun. But that wasn't the message I was relaying to my father because he thought I was doing it to win. He was giving me information on winning. I didn't understand that until later. Now, I, I'm sitting there with my mouth open. He goes, when you get up, and right before you make impact, you drop your shoulder and turn into him. Just don't, just run straight into him. So next play, I do this. Brian gets tackled in the backfield, lost six yards. I had to be picked up off the ground. My dad is clapping this loud, and he's, he was the most obnoxious person in the stands at that point. He then tells me, that's all right, do it again. I was thinking to myself, he has to be the craziest person on this planet at this moment. I later realized that he was talking to the craziest person on the planet because he knew that jackass he was talking to would carry out the things he was asking him to do. Now, next play, run the play again. Again, I run up field, don't plant my feet, just keep running. Throw my body, boom, 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 boom. Brian gets tackled for a loss of four. Now, the reason why I remember this stupid shit is simply because my father sent me out on a mission to cut off my nose 
despite my face. He sent me out on a mission of mutual destruction. Now, how does that apply to this court situation? When you're sitting in there and you're looking for an outcome, and you're going in and you're causing people to feel a certain way, And that means is destructive, but the intent is to get something else. You're only assuring your own destruction. Andrew Kelt, the Kelt, or whatever the hell his name is, is going to get sentenced. He is going to lose something. But by acting in a means that does not help you, only in turn hurts you. You're cutting off your own nose despite your face. In doing that, you are the cause of your own destruction. When you are not fighting back, you are the reason these police officers aren't acting properly. When you don't hold them to a higher standard and you allow your defense not to be vigorous, you're telling them you're okay with a slanted system. These are the things that I try to instill. These are the things I try to bring light to because most people don't understand nobody cares more about you than you or at least no one should care more about you than you. But also, the law does not give a shit about your emotions. The law does not give a shit about your feelings. The law is cold. The law is callous. The law is almost exact. Because it's situational. Understand that the law is situational. Everybody's situation is not going to matter. Because even if, because you look at most of these that, ha that happen, most of these police shootings that happen, they happen at traffic stops. Each traffic stop isn't the exact same. Generally, the stock language is very similar. So guess what? The procedures haven't changed. Because people say, well, the law here says, guess what? Nobody gives a shit because that law doesn't apply to you. It applies to them. Say that one more time. The law doesn't apply to you. The law applies to them. Because what actual law is, is what I teach. That does not change from state to state, county to county. Because the same shooting that happened in Baltimore has the same Tennessee v. Gardner that happens in California. Has the same 
Tennessee v. Gardner that happened in Nashville. It has the same Tennessee v. Gardner that happened in Philadelphia. It's the same Tennessee v. Gardner that happened in Syracuse. See, the law didn't change. Because even when you understand the context that in Georgia, Georgia just reified something that it was, I, wasn't, I actually wasn't going to teach it because it's very seldomly upheld. I'm going to say very seldomly upheld because the levels of understanding, because the question that Tommy posed. When did the police become more important than the people they chose to serve? Georgia now says you can resist an unlawful arrest because the one thing that I found that was prolifically profound was I talked about lawful orders. And so the reason why I want to talk about it is because most police officers never give a lawful order because they have no context what it is. And every police officer that I ask what makes it a lawful order, all of them say because I'm a police officer, and which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Because most of them, one of my videos that I put up that I thought, you know, it was a trash video, it was just something to be doing. It was funny because it's actually one of my most popular videos, and it's show of authority stop. If you are a police officer and you're giving someone instructions without a crime, guess what happens? Because we already know they can't determine what probable cause is. We also know what standing is. In order to have standing, someone has to be injured. So if probable cause only comes from a crime, who's the complaining party in a traffic citation? But I'll get into that because, again, I got too deep for you real quick. But I want you to understand something. So now if you're giving me instructions, you can't determine what probable cause is, and I follow it. It is now a show of authority stop. So what made that, that order, quote, unquote, lawful? Because you are a servant. You can't give a master orders. What made police more important than the people they serve? So when we understand these contexts, because again, I'm not speaking opinion. This is what's written. This is what they're not being trained on because they're being punished for doing what they're trained to do. Attack dogs are being punished for attacking. They're unintelligent, but we're expecting intelligence from them. Say this again, a 104 IQ or less. They're unintelligent, but we're expecting intelligence from them. They're not being trained properly, but we expect proper procedures from them. So again, who's the insane one here? Is it me that knows better and expects better or those that go along to do what they're actually told to do because they are too stupid to even question what they're being shown? And yes, I did pause for dramatic effect because I want you to understand this is a thinking piece. This ain't something that I'm just giving you. 
This isn't just my Sunday. This is something I want you to, you know, I want you to get you a glass. I don't give a shit what you put in. Just put, put, get you a glass. Get right. Sit back and rewind this. Listen to this again. Because at some point, who is actually wrong? The ones we know don't know any better, but we expect better from? Are those who expect to change from something that we know isn't changing and are doing nothing? Because I want you to understand that. The people aren't fighting back. The police officers are unintelligent and don't know law. The prosecutors don't give a shit because they don't go on evidence, which is why they force plea bargains. The defenses, defense attorney, the people you pay, they don't work for you, even though you're the one cutting their check. They don't vigorously defend you. You don't question what they say. And when you do ask, they tell you it's against the law to help you. Yet the number one reason for appeals, ineffective assistance of counsel. So understand, they're not your boss. You are theirs. They don't dictate to you. You dictate to them. But most of us, will accept their word for it, but don't understand that itself is even not fighting back, not questioning those that are just giving you stuff. What, what's funny, I'm going give to you, give you Tihi, because today I'm getting ready to close with this. A lot of times we get caught up in the messenger instead of the message. So the reason why I talked about Tommy Sotomayor today was because, again, I watch him. I listen to him. I don't have to agree with everything he says. But I have to understand the context that he's giving it. Most people don't like his delivery or how he's choosing to get it across to you. The whole thing is he has a message. If you don't like it, don't watch it. But there are things that I am taking from him. Whether he knows it or not, I am taking it from him. I've actually contacted him several times, and he's responded each and every time, which is amazing to me because I know he gets a lot of stuff that is BS and probably a lot of hate. But at the end of the day, he still takes time out and responds to me. I've told him several times, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this clip. He go, Use it, bro. Tag me in it. And I've never used it. There's several times that he has never done anything that I think would not allow him to be in a good position. I don't have to like his view on life. I understand that. I don't have to like the words he says. I understand that. But I'm still subscribed and I'm still getting notifications. Guess what? That doesn't mean I'm watching the entire show. But again, I am, I'm happy that I had an opportunity to, one, catch the other statement of the five levels of our system because there nobody's talking about that and here's the funny part somebody gave me credit for it and I was like nope that was Tommy I got that from Tommy Sotomayor 
Because that's, that's another thing he's big on, making sure that you understand the source. Just like when people, oh, I got that from you. No, I got that from the Supreme Court because it's not mine. I'm just a messenger. Because a lot of times we look at the things and we don't understand just because you've gotten it from me, the understanding and the application of it comes from somewhere else. I've just one gave it to you in a different manner or in a manner that you can understand it. I've given it to you in a manner where you can accept it. There's not a lot of people that can accept Tommy's message in the way he gives it. But guess what? They don't have to watch. They're making a conscious choice just like I am, just like you are. Because even today, he was talking about something, and I didn't watch probably the first hour of the show. Did I get the notification? Yep, sure did. I clicked on it. I was like, yep, I'm not going to watch this ignorant mess. But guess what? I turned it back on, and the question was asked. Then I watched because I want to understand context. The context is what's important. It's not the verbiage that's coming from you. It's how you're receiving it. Because I can say a whole bunch of ignorant stuff and talk about a whole bunch of drama. I can have a whole lot more people viewing, listening, and all this other good stuff. But that's not who I'm talking to. Yes, I use a lot of profanity. Yes, people listen to me constantly tell me, dude, I need you to slow down. I need you to take a breath. I need you. But you know what they all end up saying after that? Keep doing you. The things I talk about isn't for everybody. The things that I do isn't for everybody. Everybody's not even in a position of wanting to go after something in a form of mutual destruction. Because just like the young lady... I had a conversation with and I told you guys about. And we were having an eye for an eye discussion. And I smiled. And I told her, what if I'm willing to lose that eye? I'm willing to cut off my nose despite my face. What if I'm willing to do that? What if I'm willing to execute mutual destruction? Because I am willing to become that monster to destroy a monster. I'm willing to go those extra lengths to get what I'm looking for because again, it's not your satisfaction I'm looking for, it's mine. The undertaking that I'm taking is for me. When those people call me, the undertaking you're taking isn't for me. It isn't even from me, it's for you. That's why I always tell you, I shouldn't care more about your situation than you do. You should always care more about you than, you than anyone else does. Because, again, you see, the police don't. The prosecutor doesn't. The people you hire for defense don't. And the judge doesn't give a shit. And even though 
we're led to believe certain aspects should or shouldn't be gone through, the question still remains, when did the police become more important than those they serve? I love you guys. Keep turn, tuning in. Get ready to listen to some things that are going to be coming across on the Spotify Green Room. Things are going to, I'm actually, this is actually getting ready to become something different. The back end of 2021 is not going to look like the front end. It's not even going to look like anything we've actually done because we're putting together a system because a lot of these questions are going to be answered. But just like I told you, the one thing that we spoke about is 5% of people fight back. The other 95% roll over. My goal is not just to get the 5% to fight back. Let's make that 5%, 10%, and watch how things change. Small incremental adjustments creates the greatest changes.